All right, everybody, welcome to episode four of the JBU cast. We have our biggest story of the offseason so far. Big, if true. You, the hood, the bad, the ugly, has welcomed a new Buccaneer baby into this world. So congrats to him. That is the big offseason news for the Buccaneers this week. So the NFL draft is rapidly approaching us. I think we're all getting that angst or maybe it's hype. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's coming up and it's coming up fast. So a lot of the questions that we have this week are related to draft, the speculation that we might be on hard knocks or we might not be. And so without further ado, I will jump into the questions. Mr. You Make the Snake has got two questions this week. One about hard knocks, the other about the next great buccaneer. He asks, if it is indeed true this team lands on hard knocks, who do you see garnishing national attention outside of Jameis? So obviously, whoever we take in the first round is going to be a big focus. But I could also see HBO honing in on Peyton Barber. It's a rags-to-riches story that could capture our audience and make him a household name if he isn't already. For those who don't know, Barber was a guy who left Auburn early, went pro in order to buy his homeless mother a house, and he succeeded in doing so. So that part of the story is great. Now, unfortunately, this is a story that also might not have a fairy tale ending on hard knocks. If the Bucks do draft a running back in the first couple of rounds, Barber is likely going to be the odd man out, which I don't think any of us want to see. I think we're also going to see a lot of Deshaun Jackson as he develops his rapport with Jameis. One thing a lot of people don't realize is Jackson is actually one of the most followed NFL athletes on social media. I think we're going to see a lot of him because of his appeal to a wider audience. And you had asked about Levante, David, and Ali Marpet, but I think they're actually going to get less exposure than you might think. This is a reality show, after all, and the cameras are more likely to focus on the more exuberant personalities like Jameis, Quan, and VH3 than they would the quiet leaders like Levante and Ali. One thing's for certain about Hard Knocks, it's going to be a blast watching Dirk Cutter, a.k.a. Bizarro Rand Paul, be his uncontained self. You're going to see a lot of knee slappers, much like when Rex Ryan was on Hard Knocks with the Jets. Backtracking to one of last week's questions from Youmake, he wanted to know about who the next great Buccaneer is going to be and who we'll be reminiscing about in 2030. Further, he asked if they'll be remembered like Derek Brooks was. I don't care if our next great Buck has a Hall of Fame career, but he'll never be remembered as fondly as Derek Brooks. Brooks set such a high bar in terms of how he turned our franchise from laughable to champions and how he was and continues to be involved in the Tampa Bay community and how much he advanced to 4-3 outside linebacker as a position like few players have in NFL history. He set an impossibly high bar as a football player and as a human being. But in terms of what we have now and who I think could make the haul down the road, this may come as a surprise, but I think the most likely answer is Jameis Winston. McCoy is at the point of his career where he could start to lightly ponder where he'll be in terms of Canton possibilities. And if we take a look at him compared to Geno Atkins and Dominican Sue, he'll likely have to snag a few more All-Pros, maybe a Super Bowl ring, or a Defensive Player of the Year to distinguish himself from the rest of that crop. Lots of career left to be written for him, but I don't know how history will view him one way or another. Two of those three will probably get into Canton, and that race is so neck and neck with these guys in their late 20s. 
So why do I think Jameis, as a third-year player, is the next great NFL QB? Within the next three years, I suspect we're going to see the old guard of Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Carson Palmer, and maybe even Aaron Rodgers will have retired. From that point forward, there's going to be an opportunity for a young group of QBs to ascend to the highest tier of quality NFL quarterbacks. I think based on the promise we've seen of Jameis so far, he'll become one of the best when the time comes. Five years from now, teams are going to be looking at Jameis, Andrew Luck, Marcus Mariota, and I'm going to say it, Jared Goff, as the elite tier of NFL QBs. I'm biased here. I'm probably blinded with stupidity too, but I think Jameis probably will end up in Campton one day. Evans is a potential choice here too. But if Terrell Owens, Isaac Bruce, Heinz Ward, and maybe even Randy Moss will show us late this year, it is insanely difficult to get into the Hall of Fame as a wide receiver. He'll probably need to get around 15,000 career receiving yards, 140 career touchdowns to warrant strong consideration. That's an insanely difficult feat to accomplish. And with the punishment his body has already taken, I truly wonder if Evans is the kind of receiver who stays healthy well into his 30s. On to this round of questions from the new dad, the hood, the bad, the ugly. He wants to know what player is likely on the board at 19 that I haven't seen mocked to us and I'd be excited about. And this question also kind of covers T-Bond's questions about players I've seen mocked to us that I highly disagree with. And uh, Danny Lyon, who asked about our options with the pick as well. Right now, a ton of mocks have us taking Dalvin Cook. I swear to God, if we make that move, I will go into a Warren Sapp-style fit of rage that will require a boatload of horse tranquilizer to calm me down. I don't want to bore you with more rants about running backs and why it's so stupid to take one in the first round, so I won't go down that road again this week. In terms of who I haven't seen mocked to us, I love the idea of us going with Forrest Lamp to bolster our interior line and get a guy who could potentially bounce out to tackle as well. I think guard is a strong possibility in the first round. I think offensive tackle maybe even more so. Forrest Lamp, Ryan Ramsey, Garrett Bowles are all options at 19 and will provide instant upgrades over Donovan Smith or Kevin Pamphile. Perhaps even an upgrade over Sweezy, who was an exorbitant signing I never understood in the first place. Another route to go that I haven't seen from many mocks is at cornerback or just going BPA on defense. In the Jason Light era, our drafting has been very much geared toward offense. And as a result, our defensive deficiencies have been glaring. If you remember, it took 11 rounds of drafting in the Light era before we used a pick on a defender, which we used to take Juan Alexander. We've invested very little in our secondary outside of the H3, and it remains the weakest unit on our defense by far. Even more concerning is that Brent Grimes is 33 and will be an unrestricted free agent after the season. Gary and Conley and Tredavious White could both be there at number 19. Taking a corner for the second year in a row would be totally unsexy, but all three of our division rivals have insanely nutty passing games. We're not equipped to stop them right now. And I think this is a nice segue into Concentration Kemp's question about highly touted defensive end prospects that could be there for us at number 19. And he asked if a defensive end in the first round makes any sense, as well as convertible weather's question about which players could impact us on defense positively. 
Well, first of all, hell yes, it makes sense to me. A lot more uh, than running back makes sense. I mean, look at the Saints. They have Cameron Jordan. The Panthers have had a solid string of pass rushers like Julius Peppers, Charles Johnson, and even the poop stand of a human being that was Greg Hardy. And now the Falcons have Vic Beasley. Whenever we play these teams, those guys have made our offensive tackles lives hell and Jameis's life hell. Our edge rush has been pathetic. It's been pathetic since Simeon Rice left. I don't know how else to put it. It wouldn't have been if Mark Dominic's dumbass didn't let Michael, Michael Bennett walk. So I like the promise of Noah Spence. And I wouldn't pat, put it past him to get 10 or more sacks this year. And if Robert Ayers can stay healthy, he's still playing at a high level and has some juice in the tank. But Ayers is going to be 32 around when the season starts. What's he got left? One or two years at most? The more options we have to rush the passer, the harder we make the jobs of Ryan, Newton, and Breeze. So I think if Derek Barnett falls to 19, we've got to consider jumping on him. And I like the ability of Hassan Reddick from Temple to get on the line or standing up on passing downs. He's got a lot of versatility, could be a fun gadget player in Smith's defense. Plenty of good options here, and as far as I'm concerned, using a first-round pick on defensive line or offensive line is rarely a bad option. So now, diving into a few of last week's questions. This one came from Sauce Master about Marpet's transition to center, what I think of the move, and if my prediction that I made about him being an all-pro guard holds true with him at center. So with Ali Marpet, I'm not really sure I understand why they're moving him to center. Here you have undoubtedly the best part of our offensive line, the most promising part of our offensive line, and a guy who showed he can play guard and play it pretty damn well. And we're saying, if it ain't broke, let's break it. Maybe they think Marpet is ready to be the line general. And I couldn't give you an educated guess as to whether or not his skills are transferable to center. That seems to be more J. Howard 54's expertise. But I know he had a damn good guard in him. As for if he's all pro material at center, based on how the votes have shaken up in the past few years, all pro selections at center have kind of been this revolving door of Fred Beard, Alex Mack, and Pouncey. They seem to be selected over and over again, so I think it's a harder case for him to get there. Such is life, but it's a little bit of a good old boys network when you look at how the voting is done. So another question from last week from Ace Liam was about, quote-unquote, my guy, or the guy on our team, who may not be the best guy, but I root for anyway. And that's an easy answer for me, and I'd, I'd go with Joe Hawley here. I've kind of joked in the past that Holly is like the Dalton line of centers. He's average, he's unspectacular, he's neither a true asset to the team, and he's not really a liability either. But what I love about Holly is how tough he is. Seemed like every game last year he was playing through extreme pain, and ever so often he would go down, sit out a series on the sideline, and come back in and play his heart out. There's somebody I've always loved about offensive linemen who protect their quarterback with a sort of this uh, loyal aggression. What I mean by this is that there are certain breeds of O-linemen who if you hit their QB a second after the whistle blows, they'll give a defender a shove that says, don't mess with my guy. When their QB gets knocked down or the running back is, get, gets tackled, they're scooping them off the ground by the shoulder pads before they can get up on their own. Uh, protecting uh, the QB is not just a job to them, it's more like a duty. And you, you see this kind of old school mentality in guys like Anthony Costanzo in, in Indianapolis and you saw it with even Gosner Sherless at times. I know he's not the most popular guy 
with our team. And that, that's kind of what I see with Joe Hawley, too. It's hard not to root for Joe Hawley. He's tough as nails. He protects Jameis with the same sense of uh, responsibility like, like Brian of Tarth protected Sansa on Game of Thrones. And when he fails, it's not for lack of trying. Donovan Smith might learn a thing or two from him. Pulling one more question from last week goes on to Brett Barthes. Uh, can't pronounce your goddamn name. And he had a couple of questions about Winston, playoff potential, most receiving yards this season, and teams I'm excited to play this year. So, Brett, your question is about playoffs and regular season. I need to see how our draft shakes out before I can make a guess here. Last season, I would have probably predicted we'd be 6-10 and 10 team prior to the draft, but after the draft, I put us at 10-6. and 6. I was off by one. Your question about if this will be Winston's best season. For me, this is an easy yes. That is to say, I don't think it's going to be the best season of his professional career, but it will be the best season he's had in the NFL so far. The jump from year one to year two for Jameis was solid in terms of increasing his accuracy, but a significant step back in turnovers. The good news is, in throwing 18 picks last year, I don't think it can get much worse than that, I hope. Last season, Jameis has to go, had to go up against some of the most elite secondaries and pass rushes of the NFL, and that included some real stinkers against teams like the Cardinals, uh, the Seahawks, the, the Broncos, a couple other, other teams where he just looked a little bit lost out there. The 2018 opponents he's scoring off against right now on paper bode pretty well for making his job a little bit easier. And I think that our, our schedule and who we're playing, uh, it looks good for what he's capable of. And that's also true of how Evans and Deshaun Jackson match up. And so far, to answer one of your other questions, I think it's safe to say Evans is going to be the leading receiver, even with the addition of DJX's wide receiver too. Now, in terms of the games I'm excited to play this year, I really like the idea of Jameis going to Lambaugh against the Packers. I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to be one of our primetime games. And I love the idea of a budding young QB and Jameis matching against one of the elite tier of QBs and Aaron Rodgers. Of course, for me, I'm always excited to play the Saints because I dislike the Saints more than I dislike ISIS. I'm serious. All right. Enough questions for this week. We're going to have more as we lead up to the draft. As tradition, let's finish up this week with a riddle. This is going to be a tough one because if I do this Reddit gold thing every week, I'm going to go broke. I'd be pretty surprised if anyone gets this one. You ready? Here it goes. It could have been awesome. It could have been great. But his game to the pros, it just didn't translate. 3-16, and 16, it just wouldn't do. And he was sent packing with insults and booze. But never in Ray J, this young man did step. The sombrero was where his career made its descent. And off to the west where he waited to shine like his forebear before him. To lead the divine. He made it, he did, like his ancestor too. Got the answer? This is just the first clue. Yet one other buck actually had this man's name, and not for a fraction of his counterpart's fame. He only could last for our pitiful season, and walked off the plank for various reasons. He let our QBs get hit like pinatas. His blocking resembled the play of Kenyatta. But now long forgotten, not much of a jewel. Tell me, where did this player go to school? First person to get the answer to this will get Reddit gold. 
If any of you get it, I'll be pretty impressed. I made it intentionally hard. Thanks again for tuning in to the JBU cast this week. I always appreciate your questions. And again, congratulations to the hood, the bad, the ugly on the birth of his son. Have a great rest of your week, everybody.